Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. On January 18th, 2009, a night that would go all the way into January 19th, 2009, a young man actually went over to his friends to watch a video that was given to him by a friend. You see, at that time, that young man was an atheist and did not believe that there really was a God that cared about him, nor was there really any God. And that was specifically because he was really into his sin and wanted to continue to practice it. But on that night, that faithful night on January 19th, all the way into the middle of the night, that man gave his life to Christ after falling to his knees and praying for forgiveness after watching a video titled, They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. Now, that young man happened to be me, and I gave my life to Christ on January 19, 2009, at my friend's house, drove to a beach and prayed out that the Lord would forgive me throughout the entire night and thanking him for the salvation that was newly mine even by the minutes. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing because over that time, not only did I look and watch this video for over three hours regarding so many of the artists that I was really into, and many of which would actually be exposed on a full 10-hour version of that same series. And I was not only stunned by the synergy behind all of it, the reality that there is spiritual warfare, that there really is a Satan, but more so I was stunned at the fact that how good God was and the fact that he would forgive me even though I was into all of that stuff and had sang songs by Slipknot called Heretic Anthem or that talked about 3D blasphemy and saw Ozzy Osbourne live in concert and so forth. But nonetheless, all of that is to say the question that is on the table today is whether or not that statement can even be made that somebody can sell their soul. And not only myself being someone involved heavily with demonic music, but also, I have with me the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, and the documentarian who put together that video, Pastor Joe Schimmel with me to ask this question. But before I even ask you that important question, whether or not you can sell your soul, you know, you actually went through a, a song that you have written, even in that video, you talk about this, you've talked about this during presentations a song that you actually wrote regarding not only your soul, but the family of or your family's soul. And Joe, I'd love to, to go into that as kind of a, I know it's a, a cold introduction to you, but I think that's a great way to start is to say, you know, you wrote a song about this. You did a video titled this. Before we even get to answering the question, maybe you could talk a little bit about that very song where you talk about your family and your soul. Yeah, no, it's a great question uh, to open up with regard, regarding this whole subject matter is can you sell your soul to Satan? Uh, you know, the few things have to be true for that to be a real statement. And, and you know, uh, whether we believe yes or no, 
I think if you look at the title of our video, you get an idea of what we believe, but it's nuanced. It's not, it's a little bit complicated. You have to think this through uh, a bit, you know, uh, when you look at God's sovereignty and the choices that he affords man. But before I was a Christian, I was hardened uh, atheist slash agnostic like you, Chad. I, I knew there was something bigger than me, so I, it might be hard to call myself an atheist, although I probably did at times and stuck my finger in the air, flipping God off, believing he didn't exist when I was at the park party with my friends. Just a, a just a ignorant idiot is what I was. Just a punk kid who was lost and in rebellion to uh, God's moral law and righteousness. And I just thought, you know, uh, you know, which is what a lot of people think today is that we're the only things that exist. But I believe there was something else. There was something spiritual even because I'd opened myself up to it. At first, it was more materialistic, though. And I started, you know, getting into the power of the subconscious mind. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on my testimony. You can see it online if you want to check it out or watch They Sold Their Souls, with the abbreviated version. They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. Uh, but I basically believe that Satan didn't exist. And uh, to be able to sell your soul or to... Uh, surrender your soul to Satan or to serve him willfully uh, for something, a few things have to be true. First of all, we have to have a soul. And Jesus affirmed that we have a soul. He said, don't fear man to destroy the body, but fear God to destroy body and soul in hell. Uh, also, uh, that has to mean Satan has to exist. Uh, Jesus is very clear that Satan exists. He talked about him quite often and revealed his power. Most or many human beings have had uh, satanic experiences with diabolic or demonic beings. Uh, many of them don't even understand some of their supernatural experiences, but they know they're evil. Sometimes they blame them on aliens. The Bible talks about there's this, there's demonic forces in this world. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So we'd have to have souls. They would have to, uh, uh, Satan would have to exist. Uh, he'd have to be in this realm. God would have to allow him to tempt us and offer us things, uh, which the scriptures are very clear as well. And we would have to have choice to uh, follow him or resist him, which the Bible warns Christians to resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. So all those things are biblically true. Uh, but in what sense and can you sell your soul? In what sense can't one sell their soul? Uh, when I wrote the song, uh, My Family or My Soul, uh, I was a non-Christian. And I believe the idea of Satan was a joke. Uh, the joke was on me, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I would, Today I would be this kind of this, you know, atheist agnostic troll on the internet uh, a materialist kind of just down and all, I'd be on one of those guys that in my basement just trying to down everybody that believed in, in Christianity and, and Satan and stuff because I was just blinded I was one of those guys so I have mercy on them I was there and I, and I like Lord have mercy on them and, for, and show them the light uh, because I basically opened myself up to the satanic side to the spiritual side not believing I started out as more of a materialist I, I knew the grandeur of creation was way beyond humanity but I try, didn't want to be subjected to a, a moral God. So I suppressed that, as Romans 1 says. And I looked at wor the world more materialistically. So when I found a couple books laying around my house, actually, uh, The Power of the Subconscious Mind and Psycho-Cybernetics, one by Joseph uh, Murphy and one by Maxwell Maltz, they were talking about programming your subconscious mind. So I thought I was going to unleash power through visualization in these self-talk self techniques these books were talking about. And I was 16 and years old at the time, 16 and 17, practicing these things. And right when I started doing these meditations, I opened myself up to the demonic world. Now, I didn't know it was a demonic world, but I was having my covers pulled down, turning sideways in my bed, sliding down my bed, writing songs automatically, changing my guitar tuning to where everything I was playing was like Eastern, 
you know, and all that's just wah 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 My friends are just like, I'll trip out. Your music's just bizarre, yeah. And my lyrics were even more bizarre. And I was writing lyrics. My very first song was called "My Family or My Soul," and the lyrics were, "I was falling forever deeper into the hole. I could not be freed. The devil was grasping my soul." And I could hear my mother screaming, and my sisters dreaming, and my father dying, and my brother crying. And at first, I was troubled with the devil for the reason, but then the choice had dawned. Be my soul or that of my family is to be treason. I could not win to be a devil or a demon. And then as the song goes on, I fall deep to the bottom, and, and then I hit the final bottom, and there I lie to say goodbye. And so I wonder, maybe so, and so began to rock and roll. Uh, and so I wonder, maybe so, and, and that's when I begin to rock and roll, and that's where my lead guitar would come in. And the idea was I'm fleeing hell. 17. I'm, I'm fleeing hell to become this rock star. And as I become this rock star, uh, my family is suspended in torment in hell. But I'm doing it because of the love of rock and roll. Now, if somebody came to me and they said, hey, Joe, how could you sell your family's souls for, to be a rock star? I would say, man, I would never do such a thing. You know, devil doesn't exist. And I wouldn't sell my family's souls. It's just showing how much I love music, you know. Well, the joke was on me, man. I was hit upside the head with a spiritual, diabolical, demonic uh, two-by-four, and I began to uh, write more and more songs. That was that song, actually, after I'd finished it, gave it to a friend named Mike, who was a drummer friend of mine, and he polished it up. And, uh, you know, we had different names of the band we were forming and stuff, ideas that we never praised God because they ended up getting saved before that. Uh, but I'm just writing all these lyrics and so forth, and without getting all the songs... I'm recognizing, man, I'm in touch with my subconscious. Then I realized because all these experiences are dark, and then they began to communicate to me audibly. And that thought, this is in my subconscious mind. I'm in touch with at least some kind of disembodied intelligences. And But why are they all anti-Christ? Like I'd write, your, your little Miss Medium, can you wake the dead masters of your sleep? Or little, your, your God is your myth, your myth is your God. You know, all these anti-Christ lyrics, pro-occult lyrics. And all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, man, these are intelligences, they're all anti-Christ. They all seem to hate God. They hate the Bible. They hate Christianity. They hate Jesus. What if this book is really from God and I've opened myself up to satanic powers and I cried out to God uh, in the midst of going, because I'd go through states of paralysis and that's when I first started meditating. I'd go through a state of paralysis, you know, called sleep paralysis, sometimes called demon in the bedroom, you know, and I'd have a humming sound, just one continuous note. Ooh, like the emergency broadcast sound almost and Zeppelin the most popular FM song of all time Stairway to Heaven uh, who Robert Plant says he, he three chords that song is written automatically so it happens in the occult when demons use you one of the lines is if your head is humming which is what was going on with me it won't go in case you don't know the piper's calling you to join him okay now when I was going through that I, even though I was a big Zeppelin fan I had no idea what was being said there even Robert Plant said he didn't know what the song meant for quite a while, I guess. Uh, well, I'm starting to realize, though, that I'm in touch with these diabolical powers. And uh, I cry out to God in the most lame way, but thank God he's merciful. And, in my, and I'm paralyzed. This humming sounds going through my head again. And I'm, but I'm starting to question these things. I don't know that the Bible says test the spirits to see whether they're not from God, but just logically I realized, well, if this is Satan, man, maybe God will have mercy on me. I've been so anti-God, I don't know his nature exactly but I cried out only in goodness like, only if this is good and I said that a, a few times Just and as I began to say that I, I just didn't know what to say so I said only in goodness only if this is good bam it stopped I don't know if I said it two or three times but bam it stopped and I was free from, from the power that I was under and I realized man what is going on here 
you know? And a week or two later, I don't know exactly, but not long after that, boom, I went through it again. This time I called, called out more directly on the Lord Jesus Christ. God, have mercy on me. God, not just only in goodness. Boom, stopped again. And at that point, I fully understood and surrendered my soul to Christ and got on my knees and asked God for mercy. I didn't know the gospel yet. I opened the Bible, I found a Bible in my house and began to read it and wept as I read what Christ did on the cross for me and certain scriptures just I really needed. Like Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. John 6, 37. I need to know that he'd accept me. Or Paul saying, I'm the chief of sinners and God saved me so others would know, like you and I, Chad, that we too, they too could be saved because <laughs> if God saved me, Paul said the chief of sinners, he did it to show us that we could be saved. So I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I experienced his power. Uh, wow, uh, the power of Christ is way more powerful than Satan. Satan is under, I mean, Jesus could smash him like a bug if he wanted to, but he allows him to exist. To, to, he allows him to tempt people to see who's going to choose what side in preparation for the great white throne judgment uh, in eternity, you know. So I realized uh, at that time, uh, you know, wow, the soul is real, Satan's real, God is real, and we do indeed have a choice in, in, in our salvation. No, I think that is so important for people to understand, and we want to discuss this at length because people wrote on there, and, and sometimes these, these answers or questions or statements uh, come from a secular point of view, like, oh, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. If your God's real, you can't sell your soul anyways because he owns it. And then there's believers saying, hey, you can't sell what you don't own and, and so forth. So selling your soul, this can't be literal, can it? Because that's what people are asking. And that's what, that is a comment I continuously see online is, you know what, Joe, you can't literally sell your soul. So what do you say to someone who says, you know what, you can't literally sell your soul because it's not even yours? Well, that's why I say our answer is yes and no. There's one sense in which you can't sell your soul. There's another sense in which you most assuredly can. And a lot of people who say these things, they don't appeal to a lot of scripture. They haven't really thought these things through, you know. Uh, and when you look at the scripture, it becomes really clear that you can surrender your soul to Satan. That's one of the clearest things that evangelical Christians believe, that you can uh, choose life or you can choose death. And if you choose the path of death and destruction because you're offered the riches of this world, what is that? But in a way, you know, selling your soul. On the other hand, God ultimately owns our soul. Back in the article I wrote some time ago, which was actually taken from an answer I gave somebody online, and uh, Chad and Tony liked the answer, and they just took it and made it an article or presented it as an article. Uh, it's there now. Uh, in fact, this this is deeper than that article gets, actually, this show we're doing. Uh, but uh, I would say this, is that the Scripture saying in Ezekiel 18.4, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son, is mine. The soul who sins shall die. And that therein the Lord is ultimately saying that he basically decides the ultimate destiny of the soul. Uh, so in one sense, we have to say, well, yeah, the soul belongs to God ultimately. That's true, yes, and amen. However, God is the one who sets the parameters of how the soul functions in this world and the powers that are allowed to exist in this world and the fact that powers of darkness are allowed to exist and the fact that people can choose him or they can bow down to the powers of darkness. He is going to decide where someone goes ultimately for eternity. But one thing is very, very, very clear in the scripture is that one can give their soul over to the power of Satan even though God is above Satan. Satan can imprison people to lust their flesh, lust their eyes, the pride of life. Uh, Satan can take them Captive, it says, it says in Second Pete, Second Timothy chapter two, Paul talks about those false teachers who were taken captive by Satan to do his will. 
okay? Uh, don't say that Satan can't have power over someone's soul or you can't surrender your soul to Satan. The scriptures are very clear that you can. So that's why I'm saying yes and no. No, not in the sense that Satan ultimately gets to make the final judgment as to what happens with you, but uh, yes, the sense that you do have a choice and you have a choice and you're warned by God to choose him and not to choose uh, Satan. So I think it's imp- it's imp- imp- imperative that we understand there's some st- distinctions that we need to talk about. When I see people uh, talk about this subject, they usually don't use much scripture. They just, it's either an atheist who's afraid of God and doesn't want to submit to God and tries to explain him out of existence and spend his whole life doing that. Or it's a, uh, you know, a, then they're also afraid of Satan. They don't want to believe in the satanic powers. They don't believe in the powers of darkness, which are evident even sometimes in their own lives with demonic experiences, but they try to explain them away. But I'm praying and we're praying that God opens up their eyes as he opened our eyes, Chad, because we both run the other side in the Amen. other kingdom. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's an expression we use, selling your soul to the devil, that has truth behind it. For instance, who would, who would, uh, who would ignore the reality that there's some truth when a celebrity or a pop star or an actress or an actor who has been like, you know, totally sold out to Hollywood. And they say, I sold my soul to the music industry. I sold my soul to Hollywood. Everybody realizes that there's some sense in which they sold out and they sold their soul to Hollywood. And it's an expression. But what we understand is the Bible says we don't rest against flesh and blood, Hollywood, but principalities and powers. The rules of the darkness is the world spiritual weakness in high places. So in a sense, when they say that, yeah, we're saying, yeah, that's true. But you don't sometimes understand. Many of them do understand, by the way. But many of them maybe don't understand to the extent that they've given their souls to Satan because that's the dark power that's over, that's the ruler of the darkness of uh, this world. So I think it's important to understand that the scriptures... Uh, now, can a non-believer sell his soul to Satan? This is what's it where it gets interesting. That's why I say this is a little bit complicated question, but the scriptures give us answers to this. And I've thought this through. I prayed this through uh, from a biblical perspective. God, what is the reality here uh, in regard to the spiritual realm? And, and one thing we see in scripture is, let's say a non-believer is thinking about selling his soul to Satan. Well, guess what? The non-believer is already under the power of Satan. So some will say, man, I sold my soul to Satan and he didn't give me any power. Well, he's, he's laughing at you. I mean, not literally laughing at you because he's just filled with anger and hatred and rage, but uh, he's mocking you perhaps because you don't even realize that you already belong to him. Jesus said, he that's not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad, Matthew twelve thirty. So if you already belong to Satan, guess what? You're already under his power. He doesn't have to give you any power. You already belong to him. You can say, oh, I'll do this for you, Satan, and that, and you can have my soul. Well, guess what? God ultimately owns your soul, but you're under Satan's power because God has allowed it to be so if you are serving him in the sense of rejecting God and doing your own thing. And when you do your own thing, you're rebelling against God's will, and you're basically doing Satan's thing. So many, many scriptures, chat, as you know, speak of, of two different kingdoms, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of light. In fact, when the apostle Paul was converted, the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, as he appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And by the way, Paul had been serving Satan because he was, as Jesus said, of the Pharisees, and he was a Pharisee of his father, the devil. And he was going around having Christians killed, thinking that they were a cult of some sort that had grown up in the midst of the Greco-Roman world among the Jews and Judaism. And he was trying to exterminate this cult. And then Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And he realized that Jesus was the fulfillment of the coming of Messiah. And on the road to Damascus, 
uh, Jesus appeared to him in a bright light. And in Acts 26, 18, we read, uh, this scripture really hit me hard. So as a new, new Christian, when I first became a Christian, scriptures like this just popped out of me because I realized it's spiritual war. And Paul, Jesus said he's called Paul, quote, to open their eyes. So Paul was going to go to the, the Gentiles, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the kingdom or the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So Paul was now coming to Christ, being saved. He wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision, as he said. In other words, he had a choice. Uh, God knew uh, God uh, knew that he would be faithful and serve him. We read that in 1 Timothy 1. And God chose to use him. And, and Paul said in Colossians 1.13, for he rescued us from the domain or kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, Chad and I both love to use this passage. It says of us before we were saved, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So we were once under Satan's power. Amen. And we were walking according to his dictates. So he already had our souls. Right? Acts 13, 9. Paul is rebuking this false prophet named Elamus, and he says to him, O child of the devil, an enemy of all right, an enemy of all righteousness, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And you say, Well, that he's a sorcerer, and you know, Paul was in such rebellion, and well, this isn't just all non-believers, yeah, it is. Listen to first John 3 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So in this children of God are manifested, or made obvious, and this children of the devil are manifested. Those who practice rebellion to God, unrighteousness, lawlessness, they don't submit to his lordship, they're children of the devil, you know? And by the way, God's calling. But Jesus said in John 1, 9, John 1, 9, it says that Jesus enlightens the heart of everyone that comes in the world. John 16, 8 through 11, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The grace of God that brings salvation appears unto all men. You know, the scriptures talk about how wisdom cries out in the streets to turn and fear the Lord, you know? And the scriptures are very clear that God's calling people to repentance. So guess what, Chad? In some sense, every day, someone is choosing who they're going to give their soul to. But when you're, when you're young and you're a baby and you're growing up, you're under the age of accountability. And then in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about when he was a baby or when he was young, a toddler, that he didn't know what the law was. You know, he didn't understand it, and he was alive to God, he says. Then he became conscious of the law and aware that he was breaking God's law, and then sin slayed him. The law killed him because of his sin, I should say. It was the law that slew him because of his sin, and then now he was accountable to God. So uh, those who reach the occasion of accountability, which is anybody who can understand truth, uh, or not really understand truth, because some will say, well, I never really understood the truth, but you understand you know deep down, you have a conscience that's telling that you're doing evil. And, and uh, you know, that age, some say, comes at 8, some say 12, or whatever. The Lord knows. It's probably different ages for different people. But now people, at that point, as soon as you become aware of your sin, and you sin again, boom, you're, you know, you're basically eternally separated from God unless you choose Christ. And the Holy Spirit continues to cry out, call to you. So guess what? If you're saying, hey, I'm, I don't want to turn to Christ because I don't want to give this up, and I want to give that up. And I don't want to give this up. Well, guess what? In that sense, in that sense, you're selling your soul. Everyone is in a sense that's not following Christ. Because Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, around verse 34 through 36 or so, right 36, in that area, yeah. he says, uh, was it profit a man, was it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 
Thus saith Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying that you can trade your soul in for the world. And if you gain the whole world, it's not worth it. So when people say, hey, you know, can you really, you know, give your soul to Satan, you know, and, and sell your soul to Satan? Well, Jesus said you could forfeit your soul for the world. And I'm going to go with Jesus above atheists and skeptics and liberal theologians or theologians that uh, don't want to believe in that people have free moral choices or free will. Some of our Reformed brethren, Calvinistic brethren, was, oh, we really don't have a choice in our salvation. We don't have a choice whether, you know, at all, where everything's predetermined. But just read, man, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. You know, Paul talked about temptation there. Right after verse 12, verse 12, he says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And that was in chapter 10, after chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, where he says, I beat my body down, so after I preach the gospel to others, I myself won't become rejected by God. Right? And then he talks about how, you know, those who fell in the wilderness after they were saved out of Egypt. And then Paul says, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. And then in verse 13, he makes it very, very clear. Uh, there's no temptation that's taking you but that which is common to man. But God is faithful. Who, and how is he faithful? He'll give you an escape, right? Escape. That you may be able to um, endure it. Endure it. Yeah. So, in other words, guess what? There's no temptation that's taking you that's not common to man. We all go through it. But God's faithful, who with the temptation will also provide a way of escape that you can endure it. If that doesn't obviously tell you there's a choice that you have to make, I don't know what does. And it's in the context of Paul talking about whether you stand or fall. It's talking about the big picture of, of salvation there. So uh, the scriptures are very clear. Uh, we have in 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, Paul says, And no wonder, speaking of false teachers who align themselves with Satan, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be uh, what their actions deserve. So there are people that are serving Satan, okay? First John 5.19 says, We know that we are of God. That's Christians, believers, the elect. We know that we are of God, but the whole world is under the power of the evil, the evil one. So the scriptures are very clear. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it speaks of how Satan deceives the whole world. Satan, who's called the devil, the dragon, Satan, it says right there, uh, he deceives the whole world, and the whole world's under his power. So it's absolutely important that we understand, in one sense, you know, the non-believer, his soul is already under the power of Satan. See, God created us with, to have life. He created Adam and Eve, created the first human beings, were descendants from the first humans. Uh, he told them not to submit, or I should say not to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were given a choice, uh, and they made a choice to serve Satan. Satan used the serpent, beguiled Eve, deceived her. Adam followed suit, and the scriptures tell us that they were banished from the tree of life, and therefore they couldn't continue to live on, and their bodies returned to the dust, and they were under Satan's power. So today, uh, and right after that, they can make a choice then. And God let them know he'd made a sacrifice for them, they could wear fig leaves and try to do it their own, or they could put on the, the clothes that would be a picture of Christ's righteousness and the sacrifice that had been made that would picture Christ's sacrifice in the end. And even God says to Abel, to Cain, Cain and Abel, they're sons, right? Cain, if you do us right, will you not be accepted? He could have been accepted if he chose, but the Bible says he was of the evil one. So First John says he was of the evil one. In Genesis 4, God says 4 and 5, or chapter 4, Cain, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? Mm -hmm. But he didn't want to offer up the right sacrifice. So Scripture is very, very clear that there's a choice in who you're going to serve. Yeah, I know. It is really important for us to get this, and it's interesting, you know, you quoted 
from Mark chapter 8, 36, what will a man exchange for his soul, you know? And it's so interesting when you put that into perspective with the rest of the context is you have Peter specifically giving that declaration, that confession that Jesus Christ, he is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, right after being asked, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then right after that, he's called Satan, which is yeah. really interesting. And then there are going to be many hardships that are coming. And as you mentioned over and over, you're going to have a choice. You're going to have a choice. You have choices to make. Uh, other times that we talk about first sitting down or Jesus talks about, and we quote him, first sit down and counting the cost to see if you have enough to finish the job. Because are yeah. you going to, is somebody going to mock you and ridicule you after you say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow Jesus. But then you realize, wait a second, this was a little too hard for me. And so many people get the wrong idea that in terms of salvation, the fact is, is that when you come to Christ, it's not your good works that do it. You come to him in faith and he changes your heart. And then you begin to do the things which are pleasing to him because you love him and we're not saved by them, but you will bear the fruit of a believer. As you already quoted first John chapter three, the difference between a child, a child of God and a child of the devil but when you look at people that say, yeah, I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to follow Christ, but then they do everything just like the outside world. They do everything that the world does. This is the music they listen to. I saw a comment on here, bro, and it's a new it's a new follower. He's like, I just gave up secular music two weeks ago. Praise, Praise God. God. And I'm Amen. telling you right now, guys, awesome. we've talked, and this is, I'm sorry, right away, if you're listening to satanic mumbo jumbo, all right, nonsense just horrific things that you know full well that your Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross for. You need to repent, right? But even those, I do believe, they're like, oh, this is a love song or so forth. I do believe, and I do preach this, and I know Joe does as well, and my conviction is when I read something like a Hebrews chapter 12, and it says to lay aside the sin and the encumbrance because it's hindering you from running your race if you are sitting there still attaching yourself to these artists that don't care about you or the Lord, I would just encourage you that growing in sanctification, growing in the Lord and taking out that encumbrance and just simply say, I'm, I'm going to use this time not to worship even my wife or worship this my, my, my kids or my memories, but I'm going to take this time out in my day because we only get so many to worship the Lord because this is important because... It is, it is interesting that so many people would almost uh, see the idea of having a choice as a facade. There's no real choice. You don't have these things you have to choose from and so forth. But can you say that the scriptures clearly teach that we have a choice actually on whom we are going to serve? Absolutely. Uh, if somebody believes in a deterministic theology, says we really don't have a choice, uh, they're making, I'm sorry, but they're, they're making God's word uh, full of, you know, making it kind of like a a charade, you know, like it's not real because God treats us as though we really have choices. And God's the one who created us, and we absolutely do have choices. In fact, Jesus said, walk in the light and become children of light. Well, you have the light with you, John 12. In John chapter 3, he says he's, you know, God so loved the world, Jesus said, they gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then he goes and talks about that same world that he loved and gave himself for, loved darkness more than light. Their deeds were evil. And they refuse to come to the light. And Paul talks about those in Second Thessalonians chapter two who follow the Antichrist. It says they refuse to receive the love of the truth. There's a refusal there. That's why in Romans chapter one it talks about uh, on Judgment Day they'll be without excuse. So uh, yeah, we have genuine choices, and that's why God's judgments are 
faithful and true because there's real choices uh, being made and you can choose to serve God or Satan. In fact, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 says, choose this day whom you will serve, right? Whether the gods or if your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whom uh, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and the gods of the world system, the gods of the world, the pagans, the Ain communities, the, uh, you know, ancient Near Eastern communities uh, were the demon gods. And those are the gods of this world today. These are the entities that uh, use inanimate things, but there are real spiritual beings behind these inanimate things. And, and the Bible says those who worship these gods become like them. And they have ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, they can't see. Uh, that's what happens to those who worship idols. They become spiritually blind and spiritually deaf to spiritual truth. And uh, Bob Dylan, who uh, claims to have sold his soul at the crossroads, and we actually have a video on him talking about that, being interviewed by Croft in 60 Minutes. And or I'm trying to remember who was, was it, Croft? He was being interviewed, and he says, like, you know, he basically says he gave his soul or sold his soul, uh, you know, or, or is serving, I should say, uh, you know, the God of this world. And he says, who, you mean? He talks about this, and then we go to a cut where he's talking about how he went to the crossroads, you know, and uh, so forth. And well, Bob Dylan wrote uh, in one of his songs, uh, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil and it may be the Lord, maybe the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And that's after he came out with the album Saved and, and another album Born Again. And then he relapsed and, and uh, went back to the vomit. Uh, but the scriptures are very, very clear. You do have a choice. In fact, Jesus said no one can serve two masters in John 6, 24. He says either you're going to love the one and hate the other, you're going to hate the one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon. In fact, listen to this. This is very clear. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, the Apostle Paul is very clear that you make a choice, ultimately, whom you're going to serve. In fact, we read, Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death, or of obedience resulting in righteousness. And the scriptures tell us that when we serve righteousness, that's only we can only serve righteousness when we're serving the God of righteousness. And the scriptures also tell us that when we're serving sin and living a life in rebellion to God, we're ultimately under Satan's power. Uh, in fact, it's interesting, uh, you know, that there's many, many cases in the scripture where people basically surrender their souls to Satan. So, no, I mean, you know? the, the clear teaching when we're looking at this is that we have choices. And it's so interesting that somebody would make the choice to make a statement that they don't have a choice in the matter. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you think about that, some cognitive dissonance going on there, just communicating the idea that you don't really have a choice when you clearly do. And, you know, it, it's amazing because one of the great things, and I know you talked to somebody uh, while driving in Canada as well, about the born-again experience being far different when it comes to the things that are happening in the mind and so forth. And I know for us as well, where we had this whole viewpoint where I know you had yours as well and, and mine as well, that when the truth of the gospel and for you a spiritual reality that, that led you to the words of Christ that, you know, uh, that brought, brings forth salvation, and I know for myself, seeing people born again and seeing them actually become new, not simply having a different philosophy and now I don't drink anymore because I, I got involved with AA or I, I did this and, and now I'm giving alms to the poor because I'm following a law or some you know ridiculous thing that's just not true. But but for, for coming to Christ and having making that decision to come to Christ, 
He then makes all things new. And all of a sudden, the desires are entirely different. All the serving of darkness. And it's so interesting. And and I bring this up because I was thinking about it today, listening to Elon Musk was interviewed by the Babylon Bee, and they asked him if he would accept Jesus Christ as Lord. They did so in jest somewhat jokingly. But I'm listening to all of his answers, and a lot of it's very social gospel, you know, oh, well, uh, I don't know, Jesus said a lot of really nice things, his philosophy is really good, and, you know, eye for an eye wakes the whole world blind, so then he mixes some Gandhi there with Jesus and so forth. And, and you see this, but we just traveled down to Mexico, and we shared the gospel down, down in Mexico. We've traveled, I've been alongside of you all over the world, and we share the gospel And even though cultures are different, very, very different in what people believe, when you get down, honestly, to the nitty-gritty of the gospel and and the case of the human heart and where they are, people sound a lot similar, no matter where we've ever gone. In fact, when you ask somebody why they should go to heaven, when you ask someone if heaven is real, even if they don't believe in it, if you ask them if heaven is real, should you get there? Do you deserve it? Almost unequivocally, they say yes. And they will try to say all these good things they do and then compare yeah. it. And you realize... just had that happen when I shared the gospel with somebody <laughs> me, in Mexico. Me too. A few days ago. When the guy <laughs> came to Christ, thank the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Okay. I had the same thing. A, a, a son and uh, his mom both came to Christ. It was pretty awesome. I think you were on the other side and we were on the other side. But presenting the gospel and, and all of these things. And that was one of the things when watching They Sold Their Souls to Rock and Roll was seeing, and we talk about this a lot, it's the synergy behind it. It's not just because one artist was really bad. I didn't look at the, you know, Slipknot's lyrics and was like, yeah, they're saying really bad things. There must be a Satan. No, it was recognizing that 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 statement you made from Ephesians chapter 6 that our wrestling is mm-hmm. not simply flesh and blood. There are principalities and powers. There are things that we're not seeing visibly that have an effect on people. And there is darkness and they are of that dominion. Yeah, that's right. And to choose... And that's what I meant when you, t- I believe it was a psychologist, you took a... A psychiatrist, a, yeah. A psychiatrist, there it is. Yeah, he was giving us rides back and forth to our speaking event, and he was a professing Christian, but he had asked me, uh, you know, and that's a whole other story. We could actually do a whole <laughs> Sorry about that, episode yeah. on that. No, it would be pretty cool <laughs> to do an episode on that, because uh, he was of the mind that, you know, Christians oftentimes didn't understand uh, psychiatric and, you know, psychological maladies, and they blamed it all on demons. And then he drove me a long drive to the airport, and... Uh, we had a great talk, and I gave him examples. I said uh, that that psychiatry and psychology doesn't begin to explain some of this phenomena. And I started explaining my own experiences with people that I've had to minister to through the years and people's testimonies that I've interacted with. Uh, and he knew some of my testimony. And I said, when you look at that, I go, these all these guys I'm telling you about, notice they're all anti-Christ, whether it's a gal that escaped uh, Elizabeth or Prophets Colton and I'm, I'm going to be tempted to get into it and we're going to get off this and I know we're going to run out of time so i got to be careful here and I said man she went in a garage and she didn't even know it man before she went into this garage and did what this dastardly deed she escaped Montana this Claire Prophet's cult which she was part of but she just ran away and then she went on laid on a cross at a Presbyterian church at a Bible study before people came in then people started to all come in and she didn't want to leave the cross because it might be embarrassing if people saw her just leave it I thought what's she doing I go, man, it's like so many people that end up in the mental hospital saying they're Jesus, you know? And it's not an accident, you know? It's what Satan always wanted to be God. And then she says that she goes in this cul-de-sac and she's traveling, making her way back to California. I'm watching this girl give her testimony live, you know, Bob Kincaid's house. And she goes in this, and she says she doesn't know why. To this day, she didn't know why. I knew why. 
she said she looked up at the rafters in this garage and she was in, at the end of this cul-de-sac and she went to the guy's garage and she saw these nails sticking out and she goes bam and plunged her hands through them and then you know cops came ambulance came and she goes I don't know why I did that I'm thinking I know why you did that you don't know why you did that but you're she's definitely under the she's doing chants and everything and there's clear prophecies about contacting the demonic world they won't say demons but that's what it is and that she's possessed you know and uh, and I start I explain these different situations uh, to him, and then he did say to me afterwards, he goes, Joe, all the speakers I have come here, I give the same talk to. He goes, but you're really making me think, you know. Now he believed in the spiritual world, but he started to realize the spiritual world interfaces with a lot of mental maladies. I'll give one last example: is Jack Haynes. Uh, oh yeah. Some of you may have heard this ones, but when uh, he's in Tennessee now, great brother, uh, came he came too uh, to one of my presentations live years ago when I was in my. Uh, mid-twenties or so, and uh, Jack came up, and he was going to heckle me. I'm doing They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll Live, and he ends up being transfixed by the Word of God, convicted. He, he comes up and, you know, bows before the Lord, gets saved that day. His life's been different ever since. He became an elder in this fellowship. His fellowship didn't exist then, but he became an elder, a great leader, teaches Bible studies his day, a fireman. But when he was doing the fire camps, and he was a new, new as a fireman, he would transport patients to mental hospitals and he's sitting next to a gal he's this is before i met him he's not a christian yet and he's sitting there and uh he's next to this mental patient and his buddy's driving and this lady next to her so say it's chad's spot and i'm i'm jack and because he's on the left side as they're going forward and she's looking out the window going a million miles an hour about every little thing just freaking out over the signs and everything and uh, Jack's like, what in the world's going on? He's not a Christian. Well, it's nothing with Jesus at the time. And he's sitting there like, what in the world? He's freaking him out. He's a big, he's like me, my size. And then she, he goes, then all of a sudden she, uh, all of a sudden he's, he thought the thought, it's like she's demon possessed. And he doesn't believe in that, right, even at the time. It's like she's possessed by a demon or something. And right when he thinks the thought, she stops. And she turns and looks at him and points at him. She goes, you're a genius. And uh, he's he's like he's like I mean he's like <gasps> I shocked him you know uh, these entities are very very real and they're vying for people's souls and they want power over people and and Satan has power over the last world but he can gain more and more power over them you know God has these ground rules uh, if you read the book of Job it's very very clear uh, that God only permits certain things to happen Peter uh, was told by Jesus that Satan has sought permission. Uh, to sift you like wheat, and he granted it to him. But he said, I pray that your faith won't fail. So there's ground rules, and the Lord's sovereign over this whole deal that's going on. But there is a real spiritual war taking place, and Satan does offer power to people. In fact, he offered power, he offered the world for Jesus' soul. In fact, we read in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, then the devil took him, that is, took Jesus up, and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So he takes him up this mountain. He shows him a vision of all the kingdoms of the world. He says, I will give the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. He says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. And the devil says, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it to all, uh, all to you, if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus quotes the scripture. He pulls out the, he's got his arm around, right? He, you know, he's being tested as a man. He's the God man, but he's still being tested. 
And he whips out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and chops down Satan's lies. Satan's the father of lies. And Satan was trying to get Jesus to bow down. They offered him the kingdoms of this world. And, you know, and by the way, the king, the world system that we're called to be separate from is under Satan's domain. Remember, 1 John 5, 19, John said, we know that we as Christians are of God, but the whole world is under the power of the evil one. Well, guess what, Chad? We know that in the future, somebody else will be offered the kingdoms of this world. Which, by the way, don't become the kingdom of Christ until Christ comes back at his second coming and says the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of Christ because he did it through the cross, winning back that which was lost. He came to seek and save that which was lost by dying for our sins. And when he comes back, it says the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of Christ, right? And his wrath will come. And it talks about he'll destroy those who are destroying the earth. What's well, interesting, we know someone else is actually going to give in to that same temptation that Satan offered Jesus, and that's the Antichrist. We read Revelation 13. People worship the dragon. Dragon is a symbol of, of Satan. Revelation chapter 12, verses 8 through 11, make that clear. People worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. That's the Antichrist. And they also worship the beast and ask, quote, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. So Satan, we're told, gives his power over the world system, the world system uh, for 42 months. And of course, uh, uh, the Antichrist gives in. He gives his soul over. Now, of course, he's already lost. But guess what? He gets a bigger piece of the pie for a while as he surrenders willingly to Satan's power. And in a sense, you can use the expression selling himself. Well, is that really a biblical expression? Yes, it is. And that's why I'm very confident in what I teach in this regard and everything else I preach. I only preach that which I, I'm convicted of uh, concerning the scripture. But Ahab, remember Ahab, the evil king? It's like a picture of the Antichrist. And his wife is this witch named Jezebel, you know, like a harlot woman. Uh, and, and the two of them are this wicked team. And, and you know, they, they want, you know, uh, we don't have time to get in the vineyard and everything. Picture of the Lord's vineyard, stealing it. Ahab's a picture of the Antichrist, a wicked king. Well, guess what, man? The scriptures say of Ahab, okay, in, in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25, there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil. Who what? Sold himself. <laughs> sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. So here you have this wicked man, uh, urged by his wife, the witch, to sell himself to satanic powers. He was serving satanic powers. He was worshiping the Baals, the Baals, who represent the demons. Baal, you know, there's the demon gods. So he's selling himself to these demonic powers. So can you sell yourself to satanic powers? Well, biblically, thus saith the scripture. In fact, demons, in fact, the lost already belong to Satan, but they can give get more power at times by giving into him more. But more often than not, they oh, people line up to sell their soul to the devil. And it's like he already he already belonged to him. Okay. And, he can, and God can allow him to snuff out your life anytime. And uh typically when people sell their souls to the devil, I think the devil just like, Well, you're already mine, but I'm glad you made it even clearer to God who you want to serve, and you're coming home real soon, meaning just in not Satan's home, but hell, Demas. He is a now. This, now you talk about someone who knows the Lord. He's listed in the Scripture as a servant of God. Amen. And Paul says in Second Timothy chapter four, verses nine through ten, make every effort to come to me quickly, because Demas, in his love of this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So Demas loved the world system, man, 
and he forsook Christ and became an enemy of God. James 4, 4 says, You adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world's enmity with God, whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So yes, after becoming a, a, a servant of God, you can become an enemy of God. Again, Judas is another great example because he was chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed all night. He chose 12 apostles. Psalm 69, quoted in Acts chapter 1, talks about how his name was blotted out of the book of life. So he was even in the book of life. And guess what? He was offered power. You know, he was offered money, I should say. So he basically sold himself to Satan. In fact, John 8, 44, the Pharisees, who he makes a pact with the religious leaders, I should say, uh, they're, John 8, 44, they're of the devil, Jesus says. And the scriptures tell us that Judas asked, he says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, that is, betray Jesus over to you? And they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. It's interesting because it says at this time in John 13, 37, after the morsel at the Last Supper, Satan then entered into him. So he basically sells out for money. He wants money, and he rejects his... He, he commits apostasy, rejects his apostleship, right? His name is written in the book of life, okay? He turns over to Satan's side in chapter 13, 13 verse 30 of the same chapter of John. Uh, as soon as he received the morsel, Judas went out into the night. It's a picture of darkness. John 14, 30, a little bit later, I will no longer talk much with you, says Jesus, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. And Satan was very much involved in the crucifixion. In Luke chapter 22, verse 53, Jesus says, every day I was with you in the temple courts when they're arresting him, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. And Jesus talked about the ruler of this darkness is going to be cast down. So he's going to confront Satan. Judas betrays him with a kiss, goes out and commits suicide. Jesus says of Judas in John chapter 17, verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. I should say he says of his apostles. He kept them, right? I kept them in your name with one exception. They were all kept. None of them were lost except one. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except, with the exception, except the son of perdition. Again, was it prophet man, Jesus says? John, Mark 8, 36, if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul, Judas wanted just 30 pieces of silver and he loses his soul over it. In fact, Jesus uh, says something very important. Uh, was it worth it? Matthew 26, 24, the son of man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. In fact, Jesus said that Judas went to his own place, own place in hell, man. That's serious stuff. And so for those who say, well, you know, yeah, I already belong to the devil, man. I'm going to get more power. Well, guess what? You're just increasing. It's not worth it to get more power. If you're lost, turn to Jesus and get saved, man. What are you waiting for? He's calling you. He loves you. He died for you, you know. But if you're saying, man, I want Satan's power, man, you're just splitting your throat even deeper and more pain in eternity because the Bible says that the wicked who continue in their wickedness are treasuring up more and more punishment from God for all eternity. In fact, Romans chapter 2, verse 5 says, But because of your hardness and unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So you have people like, you know, Bill Gates and others, you know, treasuring up wealth, more and more wealth, more and more wealth. And, you know, people are in rebellion to God. And the more they stay in rebellion, they're really treasuring more and more wrath that's going to be revealed on the final day of judgment. Because you know what? People can choose to serve Satan, but one thing they can't choose 
is a consequence that they will have to pay forever because God, mm -hmm. ultimately, your souls belong to him and he will choose the ultimate consequence and the intensity of that constant consequence uh, in the final day on Judgment Day forever and ever. You know, um, it, it is... It's really important, and I, you know, we were trying to keep this to an hour. We just hit that mark, but I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't answer this last question. I know you answered already the fact that it is not worth it. <laughs> this short time, no. it is just not <laughs> worth it. Uh, and before you answer that question, I just wanted to tell everyone we are coming out uh, in a couple weeks, the 20th and 23rd, I guess, last chance to kind of sign up for it out in Massachusetts. So if you're on the East Coast, you don't want to miss it. Uh, Joe and myself, we're going to be going through just church by church, all seven churches in the book of Revelation for seven different teachings. Chapters two and three. It'll of be the course. very encouraging. Yeah, and, and we want to encourage you guys to so go to blessedhopechapel.org and you can go to the bottom and just go to the events and you can click right there if you want to go and, and be involved and, and ha meet yeah, us there. Yeah, we've been asked to do a men's retreat up there and we're doing it and several people from different states are getting together and we're looking forward to meeting a bunch of new brothers brothers. I almost said brothers and sisters of men's retreat. No, yeah, just no brothers. sisters. I love you, no sisters. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. But we got some sisters on here that are really blessed. In fact, one said after they saw, they sold their souls to rock and roll. I think they said 13 years ago, they gave their life to Christ and no Praise turning the back. Lord, man. So just so you know. So we're, we're, we're teammates in that. So. And that's what Chad was saying. We're so excited about Marvel because we see so many people. Yeah. We hear testimonies all the time. Amen. Tens of thousands of people came to Christ through. They sold their souls. We're hoping the same thing happens through the Marvel Exposition. Amen, amen. And so with all of that, you know, we've had a number of people over the years, you personally, emails, you know, messages, whatever it may be, who have contacted us, ex-Satanists, ex or wanting to be ex-Satanists as well. People who said, I tried to find different ways, and I'm, I, I tried to and figured out a way that I think I sold my soul to the devil. Then if that's the case, is it too late for me? What can I do? And, and how do I not end up being with him instead of with the Lord. How do I how do I get away from this this pact, this deal that I have done? How do I get away from it? And, and Joe, uh, you know, we have a lot of people on here right now, and I'm sure mm. people, whether they know it or not, have have are on that side anyways. There there's you know there's a lot of people on here right now, probably some that are in the dominion of darkness. Mm. So both, what kind of advice have you given to people who've come to that and said it stated that to you? And also, what do you give if somebody's in that and maybe he doesn't even know it? Yeah, well, I just say in the last few minutes we have here is that, hey, you know, Chad and I were both as lost as could be. Mm -hmm. And I myself was over on the dark side. And I started to become very aware that I opened myself up to not just, you know, powers in the subconscious mind. I opened myself up to very dark, you know, malevolent, satanic powers. And I realized, wow, I've been a fool that, you know, uh, obviously there's a creator who's over these powers and I've surrendered myself to them in some way. Uh, now that I realize what, who and what they are, because I didn't do it willingly, then I was like, wow, I need to turn I need to turn to God. And I cried out to him and my prayer was, as I say, one of the most feeble prayers, if not the most feeble ever prayed, but God in his grace and mercy saw my heart and he responded and he delivered me from the power of Satan. The Apostle Paul, who was one of Satan's top henchmen. And if you're talking about who was doing most harm to the church, in Paul's day, uh, the church would point to Paul, you know? And then God saved him. Why? We mentioned earlier, so Paul, God, Paul says he saved me, the chief of sinners, to show others that they too could come to Christ. And he used Paul to turn people from the dominion 
and the power of Satan and his kingdom to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light. And Paul became an ambassador for the truth. And that's what we are as well. He's done the same thing in our lives. Yeah. And, and we love you. And we're here to let you know that it's not by accident that you're watching this right now. And you too could be saved because God, the Bible says God, that Jesus tasted death for everyone, Hebrews chapter 2. He's not only the payment for uh, sins of our sins, Scripture saying 1 John 2, 2. It's not only the payment or the propitiation for our sins, but the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. That's the same whole world that's under the power of darkness. So the provision has been made for your salvation. And it's a free gift. That's how, because it's the God of grace who loves you and cares about you. That cares about you so much that the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, your sin doesn't shock him. He's the creator of all things. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. So his plan of salvation wasn't like, well, maybe they'll be good someday. No, he knew that we were just lost and on our way to hell, but Christ paid the penalty for your sin. You could be saved if you turn to Christ right now. See, the Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not cast away. That's a promise. So are you past being saved? The only way you're past being saved is if you refuse to choose to turn to come to Christ. Because I go by his promise, John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I won't cast away. You never see anybody come to Jesus while the day of grace is still here. There will come a time when the door is shut and people will knock and it says, and it'll be too late. Jesus says, I don't know you. That's not yet though. He hasn't come back yet. The door is not shut. And if you're listening to this, you haven't died yet. The door is still open. So he's knocking, man. And you need to respond to that call because you're not promised tomorrow. You're not even promised another hour. So I encourage you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to cry out to him because the Bible says, whoever, and that means you, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be delivered, will be saved. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And that's right after he said that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God rose from the dead, we'll be saved. So if you recognize and acknowledge that, hey, you know what? I'm not right with God. You know your conscience bears witness that you've sinned and you're in trouble. But if you say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Jesus talked about a man who went in and he couldn't even look up and he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And he left right with God because he received that free gift of grace. So the question is not whether he'll save you or not. The question is, is whether you'll come to him or not. And if you come to him, he promises he will save you. The choice is yours. He's already died to provide the way for you. You need to choose Christ and choose life. Jesus come to, said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he says, if we come to him, he'll give us life. In fact, he says at one point, I'm saying these things to you that you may be saved, but and you search the scriptures diligently because you believe that in them you have eternal life, but you're unwilling to come to me that you might have life. Don't refuse him. Choose him because he's already called you. And if you respond to his call, you'll have eternal life. And our heart's hope and our prayer is that you turn to Christ now if you haven't. And if you've already turned to Christ, praise the Lord. Continue to just trust him and follow him. And it's just awesome having all kinds of brothers and sisters who know and love Jesus and see what's going on in this world. And this is part of God's plan, that you would be among us and we'd be among all the other millions of true believers. Uh, and this great multitude that no man can number from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, Revelation 7, 9 through 14, will come out of the great tribulation period to come. And enter into glory. So we love you guys and praise the Lord for you. Choose this day you serve. As for me and my house and for my son-in-law Chad <laughs> and so many of my brothers and sisters listening, we choose to serve the Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. 
If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.